Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Seed Talk with Lisa and Lane. Hey Lane. Hey Lisa. Hello everybody. Yes. So friends, we're so glad you have dropped in here. And this is a really great one. Lane always seems to pull out the (laughs) rabbits out of our hat, right? Of exactly what we need to hear when we need to hear it. So before we jump into her beautiful slideshow and the topic, I just want to remind everybody that this podcast is made possible by thegardenersworkshop.com, which is what keeps Lane and I busy all day long, every day. And we would love for you to drop in over there and mosey around. Um, So Lane, what are we going to talk about today? Well, we are going to have some more soil blocking questions today. So back in episode 74, we did a more general soil blocking frequently asked questions. And today we're going to be answering some of the most frequently asked questions that we get about blocking mix. So how to make it, how wet should it be? people having problems with the blocks falling out of their blocker too early or getting stuck in the blocker and what's going on. So these are the questions we are constantly getting and we're constantly answering. So we'll be going through some of those. And I just wanted to say thank you to everyone back in episode 74 that submitted your questions. I tried to include as many of them into this episode as I could that fit this theme. But if your question wasn't answered, don't worry because we will try to incorporate it somewhere down the line. But thank you so much for submitting those. Oh, Elaine, thank you for reading them all and answering and acknowledging them. So that is just really fun. Oh, my pleasure. Okay, should we get started? We should. All right. So our very first question is going to be, can I use regular seed starting mix to make my soil blocks? Why or why not? And when I'm talking about regular seed starting mix, I'm talking about the stuff that's very light, very fluffy. What do you have to say about seed starting mix, Lisa? Sure. So in our experience, um, those, well, regular seed starting mix is exactly what you just described. It's made to be light and fluffy so that when you put it into a container, like a plug tray, air and water can freely flow through it. Well, that's kind of the opposite of what we want in soil blocks. We want soil blocks to be more compact and dense so that they hold together and make their own little container, right? Um, So you can surely make soil blocks out of regular seed starting mix, but they typically don't hold up over the long haul until you get them out to the garden. Um, And plus we don't use, we don't like to use sterile mix, which most seed starting mixes are. So blocking mix in particular, you want it to be denser. You don't want it to be light and fluffy because remember, the blocks themselves are the containers. So they need to hold up freestanding from the time you sow those seeds to the time they're getting transplanted out in the garden. And also those blocks, they have little air spaces around them, which allows the roots to air prune and helps to create these really healthy little seedlings. But that also means the blocks have more exposure on the sides to air and they're more prone to drying out. So you just really want a mix that's dense. It's going to retain moisture and it's quite different from your typical seed starting mix. Right, right. And, you know, I heard somebody explain one, a bread maker um, was actually at one of my talks when I was doing a lot of Mother Earth news fairs, I would do classes. And so there were a lot of other speakers always milling around, you know, in the groups. And um, a friend that was, her name was Vicki, that was a bread baker. She stood up and said, this is like not following, to not use blocking mix is like not following the recipe 
when you make bread and it's just oh, not yes. going to rise. It's not going to perform properly. And she really kind of brought it full circle. You know, it made it easy to understand why it is so significant. It is. And if there's a particular mix that you have easy access to, of course, you can experiment with that and try to make your blocks with it. But just know, like Lisa just mentioned a minute ago, the differentiator tends to be how the blocks hold up in the long run. So whenever you're trying a new mix, really pay attention to how the blocks hold up over time, not just how they look in the beginning. Right. All right. So let's say you have a blocking mix that you've purchased pre-made. So maybe it's something like Fort V or some other potting mix you like to use for your blocks. Right. We always get this question. Do I really need to sift my blocking mix prior to using? And what are the consequences if I choose not to sift it? So even when you're not soil blocking, um, those seed starting mixes that we were just speaking of, most often they're pretty fine because guess what, y'all? They've been sifted before you buy them. Um, we recommend if that was not, you know, that sifting is always beneficial. It removes the chunks um, and the chunks just are going to make making the soil blocks difficult. Um, and there is nothing more frustrating because I have had it happen is to go to sow a seed on the surface of a soil block and there's a little piece of bark embedded yeah. in the block right there. So you really can't sow a seed. Um, so sifting just makes it um, more easy to be successful. Yeah. And keep in mind that a lot of times these pre-made blocking mixes, they might only be screened down to like a half inch size or so. Right. And then you're making, if you're using the mini three quarter inch blocker, you could end up having a chunk of something that's nearly a half inch inside right. your three quarter inch block. And it can just really cause a lot of frustration in the end. So what size mesh do you recommend using in a sifter? Sure. So a quarter inch is what we have found to be really great because it's not so small that it takes a really long time to actually sift the product through the sifter. And yet it's small enough to get out all of those chunks. And so here on our farm, we sift, um, you know, peat moss, cocoa fiber and compost. Um, and then the sifting um, debris, those chunks, are great to be good put out into your garden or to use as mulch, oh, yeah. what have you. It's great stuff. So you're not wasting it. Um, but after it's so funny that um, Bobo wasn't always a great sifter. She Because we didn't have a really convenient sifter back then. It was really kind of troublesome to do it. So she just did it without sifting. Yeah. And then when, what was it, two years ago, we got this sifter, you know, that so conveniently fits on the five gallon bucket. So she saw me sift and she said, I guess I could do that. Well, after she did it once, she said, it is like night and day difference, how much easier and faster it is to make the blocks. And sowing the seeds was smoother, in her opinion. And she's I been agree. blocking a long time. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing too, what I do, I don't know about you, Lisa, but I sift large quantities at once so that I'm not having to individually sift every single time I want to start seeds. I will just sift a bunch of soil into a large tub and then take it from there as I need it. Exactly. You know that I was just in one of those farm stores um, a couple of weeks ago waiting for something. So I was browsing and they had so many perfect size trash cans, like a 10 gallon trash can and a 15 gallon trash can. Some were metal, some were plastic with lids. And I thought to myself, those are the perfect sizes to do large quantities of peat or cocoa. 
and then another one of compost. And you can just have all your ingredients ready to roll. And it just makes making the block and mix super simple. I agree. Okay, so now we're going to talk about making your own blocking mix if you don't have one that you want to buy pre-made. And something great about making your own is that you can customize some of the ingredients. So for example, if you're someone that doesn't want to use peat moss, you can actually use cocoa fiber instead. So Lisa, what are the ingredients in your soil blocking mix recipe? Sure. So I definitely copied this from Elliot Coleman. I mean, it's in his book and it was just what I learned when I soil blocked and I have never veered from it because it is just, it's simple and easy and cost effective to actually do it. So it's 16 cups of sifted either peat moss or cocoa fiber, four cups of sifted compost, and then a quarter cup each of green sand and rock phosphate powder. And all of those are best incorporated together dry. And then we add the appropriate amount of water. And so that small amount, 20 cups of product, will make approximately 500 small of those small three quarter inch blocks or about 36 of the two inch blocks. And so, you know, people look, I mean, I remember when we used to do shows and we had the pre-made bags of ready-made mix soil. It looks really small, but that little bag made over 500 of the small three-quarter inch blocks. And that's just part of the soil blocking um, pieces of the pie that come together. It just, um, they just grow amazing little transplants and the, the soil mix is just very different. It really is. And mixing your own is a really economical option. And yes. we also have a recipe where you can scale this up to make more. And I will put a link in the show notes to the full blocking mix recipe, which includes this 20 cup recipe, as well as a much larger quantity. Yes, it is very cost effective. And um, again, your idea, and we do it too, is to do a large amount at one time. Sifting just makes it really simple and easy all through the season. And what if someone can't easily find green sand or rock phosphate powder? Do they absolutely need to go in? And what could they use instead if they can't locate those? You know, there's really not a good substitute. And I got that straight from Elliot. Um, I met him twice um, through the years. And the first time was at a show where we were both speaking. And I said, you know, people have trouble finding these. What would be the alternative? And he said, there really is not an alternative because you know, as he points out, it's the micronutrients that are a part of these products, rock phosphate powder and green sand, that do other things, in his opinion. Green sand plays a role in it really retaining moisture, you know, so there's more pieces to the pie. So what I say to people is, I mean, if you're in the United States, at least, it is green sand and rock phosphate is available on the internet. I mean, we sell it mixed, but you can also buy the components individually um, and it goes a long way. So you won't have to buy it very often. Um, so I encourage people um, to try to find those if at all possible. And you can look for other recipes as well. There are a lot of blocking mix recipes out there. So obviously feel free to experiment and find one that right. works for you and suits you best. Okay, now we're going to talk about what you actually mix your soil in when you're ready to make some blocks. What are some mixing tub options and also tools for actually mixing up the soil and scraping off the bottom of your blockers before you stamp it onto your trays to flatten that bottom edge. Sure. So the tray that's pictured is the one that I actually started in like 20 years ago, that style. And we still use that. 
you need to mix um, for, for soil blocking in some type of container that is wide, but yet has raised edges so you can mix water. And so we found that to be really perfect. Kitty litter boxes, that type of product. And again, at that farm store the other day, um, they had, we, we call them concrete mixing tubs. They're a little bit larger than this green tub we're looking at on the slideshow, but they're black um, and they're pretty perfect too for actually mixing the soil in and containing the water and the soil together. And something to keep in mind when you're mixing in a tub that you're going to be using to actually fill your blockers and make your blocks is to make sure it has a decent sized flat bottom so yes. that your blocker can actually slide against it. If you try to do it in a bowl, you can do it, but it can get a little bit frustrating. That's a good point. And I've never done that. But you know what? I have seen people submit questions about that. Yes, a flat bottom is definitely great. And I will put the name of this particular potting tray in the show notes in case anyone's interested, but it's basically called a tabletop potting tray. Yeah, love that thing. Me too. And then in terms of mixing tools, there are some unlikely kitchen options that actually make the best tools for mixing your blocking mix. You know, it's just too funny when I am back, of course, in the dinosaur ages when I started farming 26 years ago and I was soil blocking, you know, I mixed my soil because I needed a lot in a wheelbarrow. It was not very easy and convenient. It was a bit of a backbreaker, actually. That was before I was figuring things out. I was mixing it as I was starting seeds. I mean, I was doing everything kind of the opposite, right? So while I was doing it in the wheelbarrow, mixing the soil, I was using a shovel. But when the time came to put it into the tub to actually make the blocks, I exhausted every garden hand tool that I had out in my garden shed. Then I walked in my house and I was kind of an antique tool kind of collector and there on the wall was an antique potato masher. Oh. And I thought, you know what? That looks like that would work. And lo and behold, a potato masher is the perfect tool. It's like a little hand hoe for mixing the soil, but then to use, as you indicated, after you fill the blocker, to use it to scrape the excess soil to flatten the bottom on its side is just perfect. So the potato masher for us has been the greatest tool for that. And I actually use a large slotted spoon. So it's just a big spoon with holes in it. I know some people like to use a putty knife. So just experiment and see which tool works best for you. But chances are you probably have something lying around your house that will work just fine. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, here's another question. How much water should I add when I'm ready to moisten my soil blocking mix so I can make my blocks? And what should the texture of my moistened mix be? And this is a place where I think a lot of people go wrong because the texture is not exactly what you might be expecting. You know, if I had not seen years before I even started flower farming on PBS, Elliot Coleman and his wife, Barbara, soil blocking on their little gardening show. And all I remembered about that show was that he said, if you can't get the blocks to come out of the blocker, it's too dry. And so I kind of was prepared to follow his recommendation. I am a big um, believer in measuring. Um, you know, that's why it's like, okay, there's about 20 cups of mix um, is what I do in one round of making blocks. And so it's one part water to three parts dry mix. So we add about six to seven cups of water to that volume of soil. 
And so that kind of guides me. Um, and I've learned that I just like for my blocking mix to kind of be like a little less than soggy oatmeal. Yeah. It's a lot wetter than most people expect. And yes. I think when people have it too dry, that can cause some issues that we're going to talk about in a little while. Yeah. And I don't know about you, Lisa, but when I go to make my blocks, I like when I see a little water squeeze out when I go to deposit them on the tray. <laughs> it's true. It's exactly. And it's so much easier to sow the seeds onto really wet blocks. Yes, that is so true. Especially for pelleted seeds. When you have a really wet block and you sow it, it just dissolves that pelleted coating almost instantly. And yes. another tip too is sometimes it can be a good idea to actually add the water and mix your soil up a little bit in advance of when you're actually going to be using it so it can fully hydrate. You know, in a perfect world, I would love to mix yesterday to make seeds, you know, to do seed starting today, but that rarely happened for us. But you are exactly right. The texture improves with a little bit of time. It does. So three parts dry blocking mix to one part water, that's a really good jumping off point, but also use the visual cue of soggy oatmeal. Right, right, exactly. Okay, now we're gonna talk about some issues with block ejection. So <laughs> how about the blocking mix seems to get stuck in my blocker? What am I doing wrong? Most often, well, I think immediately of two things. Either the blocking mix is too dry. Yes. Or sometimes if you've been making a lot of blocks, which is what happens to us here, you can actually pack blocking mix into the crevices in the blocker. True. And sometimes that'll interfere. So Bobo often will keep a little tub of water kind of near where she is and just stick it down in there, the blocker tool down in the water and swish it around and just look at that crack. Um, a lot in the on the blocker to make sure where it plunges um, that that's clear because that can also cause a problem. And even just the act of moistening that blocker in the little bucket, like you're mentioning, that can also just help the block slide out a little bit easier. Yes. But yeah. I definitely think dry mix causes a lot of the problems here. Yes. Okay. The next question, which is the opposite, is the blocking mix seems to fall out of my blocker prematurely. What am I doing wrong? So this could be, you know, you've packed it, you've scraped the bottom and you go to flip over the blocker and they just fall out before you even make it onto the tray. It's so frustrating. And that <laughs> happens. And you can even this picture, you can actually see there's a little more water in that tray that I would like to have. Um, but usually that is from too much water moisture in, yeah. in the blocking mix. It's just too wet. It's just falling out. So you can either add a little more dry mix if you have it, or if you ran out of dry soil mix, you can just let it air out for a little while yeah. and that will help to yeah. cure that problem. Yes. Okay. Here's another great question. If I moisten too much mix or if I create blocks and I don't end up using them, can I let that soil dry out and then use it again in the future? That's a really great question. Um, so first, um, we often, I mean, well, we always start, it seems like we always have residual leftover wet mix in the tub. Um, and yes, you just can allow that to air dry. You never want to scrape it into a container and put a top on it. You don't want right. to um, airtight, wet anything, right? It just, that really gets really bad really quickly, right? Yeah. Um, so just let it air dry. And then the next time you go to mix soil, typically I break up because it's typically a little harder, yes. break it up a little bit, and then you can, you know, rehydrate it. 
good point that it is a good idea to just break up that soil. If you have let it dry out because it can get a bit hard and clumpy. Yes. A lot of times I'll just leave the soil in my mixing tub, let it dry out. And then like you mentioned, go back and break it up a little before I add more dry mix to it the next time. But yeah, it's you know, perfectly fine. It seems like, oh, if I add water, that'll get soft, mushy again. No, it takes it longer. So breaking it up just speeds the process. All right. And our last question is going to be one that a lot of people ask because they're trying to make their process of blocking more efficient. So can I make my soil blocks in advance and then let them dry out if necessary and sow into them at a later date? So if I wanted to make blocks today, can I come back to it on the weekend and sow into them? So you can do that, you know, but there's issues related to that. I find it's just simpler to make them as you're sewing them. You know, I mean, once you're set up to do it because you want those blocks to be completely wet all the way through when you sow that seed, that's pretty significant to have good germination. And to be able to do that, you really have to put maybe a little more water in those trays than you normally would. And that can make them, especially if you make a little hiccup and pour the water onto the blocks instead of up against the side of the tray, you just have a high risk of damage in the blocks. This definitely can be done. I've done it before, but as you said, it's really important to make sure those blocks are fully hydrated before you go back to sew in them. Right. You don't want to be sewing into a dry block. And then also the other thing that I had was that the blocks float. Oh, you know, when they're totally dry, they'll float and that just breaks their cluster and that cluster. I mean, you know what I mean? It's like, there's all these little, it ends up being more work with potentially maybe a little hiccup or two. Um, so it can be done, but not recommended. Okay, everyone, that does it for this episode. Hopefully that answered some of your questions about soil blocking mix. As always, feel free to leave a comment with any soil blocking questions or any other questions, any topic requests that you might have in the comment section over on YouTube or using the form linked in the show notes. And thank you again for joining us and make sure to subscribe and follow so that you will definitely not miss any of our future episodes. So I just want to give a big old shout out to Lane for gathering the questions that we want to have answered, right? I mean, that, that are the burning questions in everybody's mind. So we appreciate that, Lane, that interaction and that they can have contact with us also over on YouTube and that you're yeah. into that. I mean, I think that's the funnest part, right? It I mean, is. That's the best part. Yeah. It is. So, um, all right, everybody, remember, you can learn more about the work that we're doing over at thegardenersworkshop.com, and we'd love for you to become part of our community over there. Um, so, Lane, is that a wrap? That's a wrap. All right, everybody, till we meet again. Ciao. Bye.